Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about about to get get jumped. Welcome to episode 39 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto with Rock Lee versus Gara. Yeah, the rock is, is going to come in here and, you, you know, you smell what he's cooking because this is wrestling and, um, uh, that really keep, petered keep out. It, no, it, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's a <laughs> We've had a few weeks off. Let's just jump in. Get Uh, hi everybody. I like, I like that I, I like, I like petered out there, but also like had this moment before, well, where I knew that I was going to make that joke, but I was also listening to like how off I was uh, trying to like think of my opening lines that I've said like, what, like 40 times. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I couldn't think. (laughs) It's always hard to tell because the way that we record this is like we call each other on the phone and then we each record our half and then our sound wizard splices them together. Um, But what we discovered when we first started doing that was that there is like a weird time delay that you don't really notice when you're like having a conversation. But when you're trying to do an intro where you're talking on top of each other, it like is really noticeable and so, like, sometimes you'll pause, and I'm like, I don't know if this is that phone thing, or if he's, like, actually <laughs> missing his beat. Like, you know, like, that happened today. I was like, I hope he's fine. Like, if we have to start over, we do. Uh, yeah, so we've had some time off. I think you guys probably noticed a little bit of it, because we recorded some episodes in advance. So it's actually been, like, three or four weeks since we've recorded an episode. Yeah, um, it feels like forever. And yeah. also, I hope everyone enjoyed the amazing episode that we released this past week. Yeah, um, the special that we it, released with Childhood Remastered. Those guys are so yeah, much fun. Yeah, man. I, after like doing that episode, all I could think about was wanting to do more episodes with more cool people. Um, th- speaking of which... Yeah, I want to do more episodes to, with like, them. <laughs> Yeah, for real. We have been trying to plan more of these uh, special mashups, um, and uh, we are trying to reach out to other podcasters to see if they wanted to be a part of it. Um, yeah. We have a couple of them kind of lined up when uh, our lives and their lives can commingle into like a same live. It's like a it's like a marriage, I, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> So or like two rockets, if you fired them and you tried to hit one rocket oh with another rocket and you have, you have the, uh, what is that? The, the star Wars going with defense. <laughs> so, uh, Do you remember yeah. That from like the eighties or seven, the seventies. It was the Reagan administration. That's the eighties. Oh yeah. He, I don't know if, did it star start Wars? in the seventies? No, it was late eighties. Like, I was born during the Reagan were, administration. <laughs> They were like, if you shoot a rocket at another rocket, if we're smart enough, we can hit one rocket with another rocket. Yeah, maybe. Like, like, people I were actually, putting that down as, like, the dumbest thing. So, my my um, my ex-boyfriend, now fiancé, which is a spoiler for my personal life business that I'm going to talk about in a second, because it's all about me, uh, is in the Air Force, and... Uh, 
he and some of his Air Force people are actually, they actually like do like missiles and shit. <laughs> so he was like talking about that the other day. He was like, yeah, that's one of those, uh, that's one of the anti-aircraft stations that we have. We were just like driving me around on base. And he's like, that's one of our anti-aircraft uh, or anti-missile stations. So like, you know, if North Korea or whoever shoots a missile at us, this one will shoot a missile with that missile to try and knock it out of the air. It might work. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So we're fine, asterisk. <laughs> yeah. So bro. yeah. Um, so, so Spencer and I haven't recorded an episode in a while because I moved across the country. I no longer live in Chicago. I now live in Southern California in a town called Santa Maria, and uh, it's really cool. It's very suburban and very different. And now I have like a car. I own a car now, and everything is different. Um, I actually moved here two weeks ago today. And I am now gainfully unemployed, which is weird but cool. And I am also uh, now engaged. Pete uh, proposed to me the day after I got here. So now I'm uh, engaged, and that's all really exciting. And uh, I did not have internet for a while, so Spencer and I were not able to keep up with our normal releases. But that just meant that you guys got to listen to our special episode, which is baller. So um, it was kind of a win for everybody involved. I will say that my favorite title of an episode so far is probably number one, Mo Eggy, and number two, <laughs> Hunchback of Notre Bees, because I love Mo Eggy so much. However, yeah. Hunchback of Notre Bees is just such an amazing phrase. <laughs> I don't like it as much as you do, honestly, but it is a good title. Ugh, you. Ugh. If we had to rank them, it would not be near the top of my list. Ugh. You. I know. <laughs> so, anyway, we're back with an Naruto episode now. And, um, oh, yeah. And uh, last things last. Um, oh, yeah. Go we, ahead. Uh, we have had uh, a couple of people write in um, voting for um, things that are not JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. However, um, way more people voted for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <laughs> and keeping on going with it. Um, including Blake and, uh, I suppose we will continue doing that. <laughs> however, we, we did um, have to talk about this. So I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. So, however, the other thing that is coming up that we have to have people weigh in on because yeah. we need to make a decision is Cowboy Bebop is going off after the, oh. our next recording of it. And that's yeah. only like two weeks away from now or two yeah. recordings away from now we have a jojo's and then we have a hunter x hunter episode then we have to record again yeah so and if you want to weigh in we need to know your votes and we will record in ahead of ourselves every once in a while i don't know if that's going to be true in the next couple of weeks but i'm i'm kind of hoping we get at least one week ahead of ourselves here soon so earlier is better if you have an opinion on what show we should watch Please reach out to us. Obviously, um, Spencer has all your votes for JoJo's or not JoJo's. So, like, those are still valid. Like, um, I think we mentioned this earlier. But if you vote for something for us to cover that's not JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and we continue with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, we'll keep those votes for the other thing as a consideration Mm -hmm. for Cowboy Bebop replacement. But if you have strong opinions, if you want to say, like, hey, I voted for this thing to replace JoJo's. If you guys are going to keep going with JoJo's, please replace Cowboy Bebop with that. Please let us know yeah. if you haven't spoken up about JoJo's because you wanted that, but you do have another show you'd like us to cover after Cowboy Bebop. Please let us know. Um, we, ob- I mean, if nobody votes on anything, we can pick stuff out. There's a million anime that I want to watch, but like, 
we really want you guys to be involved in this so that you are listening to the kind of shows that you want to listen to. So please reach out to us um, with your opinions. And um, again, sooner is better than later, because even if we're a couple of weeks away from the episode, Spencer and I in real life might be needing to start watching stuff. Yeah, and I will say that I am more partial to doing uh, two long shows and then two shorter shows at the same that's true. time. Yeah, that's um, a good point. It, it's kind of it's kind of good at like breaking up things. Um, but I will say I have uh, two friends of mine that live here in Portland, and they listen to the show, and they both voted for FLCL. So okay, if you want to see that's fully a coolly very short show, and we would need more voting almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I, it's it's not only a sweet ass show that I would love to watch again, but to be fair, it is timely that if we were uh, doing a FLCL review of that show, it it's coming up with a second season. I don't know if anybody else has seen that is in any really? world. Oh hell what? yeah! It got uh, ramped up for a second season and possibly a third season. Oh they released God. a teaser for it, so it looks like it's going to be fucking sweet. I think it's either going to be on Netflix or on uh, Adult Swim. So it might be Adult Swim. It's probably Adult Swim, but like that's more it likely. Sounds, it sounds super awesome, though. I I am very excited to see new episodes of this badass show. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, that's two votes in for that. Um, all right. Anyways, so if you guys have opinions one way or the other on all that shit, please let us know. Um, reach out to us, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Patreon, Reddit, um, Gmail. All of these are ways to get in touch with us. Um, and there's information on that at the end of the show. Yeah. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in with previously on Ruto. Yes, so we are covering today episode 48, 49, and 50 of Naruto. Um, what you need to know, mainly we're going to be looking at Rock Lee and Gara. Rock Lee is a uh, kind of skinny dude with a bowl cut and a green jumpsuit. He is fucking ridiculous. He's like really, really over the top kind of comedic relief anime style fucking character. Bruce Lee. Um, he is a little bit, he's named after Bruce Lee, and um, yeah. he. He kicks a bunch, so I guess that's... Um, so anyway, um, what we know about Rock Lee, we will learn a lot more in depth. This episode is that he doesn't really do anything except Taijutsu. In the Naruto world, there is Ninjutsu, which is like special effect attacks. There's Genjutsu, which is mental attacks. And then there's Taijutsu, which is just physical strikes. Rock Lee only does Taijutsu, um, which puts him at a supreme disadvantage compared to other ninjas in this world. Um, the other main character we'll be looking at is Gara. He is a sort of mysterious, um, quiet, dangerous type. We have seen him get supreme bloodlust before where he started to get really like antsy to murder someone. And we have in fact seen him murder people. He uses sand as his weapon. Um, he has a big, a, like a giant gourd on his back that is full of sand and uh, he uses that to defend himself against attacks and then to um, like envelop and crush people as an offensive attack. Um, side yeah. characters that are important, Naruto's around. He's our main character. He, in this episode, is mostly just a loudmouth encourager and um, kind of upstart. We also have uh, Mike Guy, who looks shockingly like Rock Lee, but is not related. Um, despite the fact that like we meet other characters' parents throughout the series and they all pretty much just look like older, slightly different versions of their children. 
Uh, Mike Guy looks like an older, slightly different version of Rock Lee, but they're not related. He is their, the teacher of Rock Lee and um, Lee's teammates and has a super big soft spot for Rock Lee specifically. Uh, I think that's kind of everybody that's important. We'll mention other characters, but those are the big ones. Yeah. There's oh, what are they a, doing? Uh, they're in a tournament. So, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, sorry. There's, that's kind of important. There's also this uh, major plot event that's happening, which is called the uh, tuning exam. Um, Blake uh, sort of glossed over that. Uh, yeah. You might need to know about it because it's the entire plot arc of this uh, season. Um, yeah, it's a tournament. Anyways. <laughs> Um, other things that have happened that are not in really important. Um, uh, You're Sasuke just has talk about gotten... them you want to. <laughs> Look, don't fucking tell me what to do with my life. Oh my um, Sasuke, you're not going to really see him very, uh, very much in this part. You're literally not going to see him at all in this part. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, he has a curse mark. So, you know, where you are in the show, Orochimaru has just cursed him. Uh, Kakashi, uh, I curse you. Go... <laughs> Jeez. You just can't stop. You're just, it's been you're weeks. You're the hunchback of Notre Bees. You're the hunchback. <laughs> 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 oh my god i was watching an episode of superstore and they stole our fucking joke there's Which this joke? part where like uh, one of the guys uh that's doing it there he's like uh he's like uh told that he needs to check uh he show his like checkout method um at, at the register and he's he's doing like um 120 bsi or whatever it's like um barcodes per second bps bps um and he's saying that he did that but he like faked it inside of their like system of ranking their employees so he has to like show it off to the manager and the manager's like okay show it off to us and then he's like uh uh bees 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 (laughs) those fuckers they've been watching our show yeah If any of you out there are listening to this and don't know, Spencer and I also have a web series that we did for two seasons, and uh, it's it's reasonably funny. <laughs> we both love it because we made it. The first season is decently funny. If you would like to get into it a lot, you might start with the second season, which has much higher production values. Um, but we, you Look, know, I, we, we I love both seasons. I have all the raw footage, Blake. I have all the raw footage. Yeah, I'm going to re-edit the first season. I'm doing Spencer a digital remaster, you guys. Keep saying he's going to do this. It's not going to happen. But if you guys want to watch our web series, it's genuinely good. It is not always as good as other parts of it. But uh, it's it's pretty funny. We both really like it. And season two specifically is very cohesive and well done. So go check it out if you're interested. They totally stole our, our joke. Although that's from like the first season. Although like maybe arguably the best episode in the first season. So, Anyways... Um, let's go ahead and jump in with the beginning of the fight sequence. Um, it doesn't happen immediately. There's a really long, obnoxious moment at the very start. I'm sorry. It's not at the very start. It's the second thing that happens. The first thing that happens is that we get all of the wrap up from the previous episode where Neji's being a dick and, uh, Hinata has just bled all over everything. And Naruto's like, uh, grabbing the floor blood and, and being like, I so will gross. avenge you. And this is also, <laughs> this actually comes back later. So Neji real briefly is 
Rockley's teammate, and um, mm-hmm. he also has this really like fucked up worldview that like whatever you're born into is like who you are. Like you can't change who you are. So yeah. like you're he, either like, born he, like, talented or untalented. Yeah, he. You're born talented or untalented. You're born privileged or not. Which there are some true things about that as far as like societal privilege. But like in this universe, he's really harping on like whether or not you're a skilled ninja. And there are a billion characters that prove that you can be a skilled ninja through hard work and determination. So like his argument's pretty flimsy, and he's actually going to be a big dick later on in this episode too i don't know if we'll mention it i don't think i took a note on it but like he is a jackass yeah he's kind of awful Um, yeah the other thing that happens at the very beginning of this is we get um oh god asuna asuna i never pronounce his name asuna who's the leader of uh choji um uh, shikamaru i know shikamaru but i can never eno um and eno and uh he is talking about like not wanting to be in a fight uh, right now, especially he doesn't want to fight against Gara. If he's going to do this, he might as well just like concede now to get it out of the way. And That's so, what like, Choji Asuna's says. Like, Asuma doesn't say that. Yes, Choji's just like Asuma's a teacher. He's not in the tournament. And Asuna bribes him with all you can eat ribs. Um, yeah, I forgot which, about that. It's, it's so I stupid. again it's, did not write notes down on this part because it's like really. It's non. It's inconsequential. Like it's basically characterizing Gara as being dangerous, which we already know, and Choji as being mm-hmm. motivated by food, which we already know. So like yeah. none. It's, it's it's not important, not right? It's important. just like padding the episode. <laughs> so basically, like what is important about this sequence is that several characters are noticing that like only a handful of them are left. It's actually four of them, I think. And Gara is one of them, and like pretty much nobody else wants to fight Gara. And then Rockley is determined that he's going to fight Gara. Yeah, and then Rockley's like Rockley does one of the dumbest slash kind of funny sequences where he's like, "I don't even want to fight. I I would rather fight last. I want to fight last." And then, like, when the thing comes up and it's Gara versus Rock Lee, Rock Lee's like, ha-ha, reverse psychology. Tricked you. I got yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and my guy's like, good job, Rock Lee. <laughs> yeah, my guy is an enabler of Rock Lee's crazy because he's the same crazy. Yeah, it's just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and also, like, uh, Rock Lee has this great thing that he does where he, like, puts his finger for, like, he puts his hand forward and then he's just like, yes. And then, uh, uh, Mike Guy's like, yes. And he's like, cool. And then he has, like, a, like, a fangirl moment for, they, um, their for relationship his is boss. charming. Like, they are, they are, again, not related, but they're very, like, father-son or older brother or younger brother. Like, they have this extremely close familial tie. And, in fact, we'll see a little bit later that Rock Lee, part of the reason that he looks so much like Mike Guy is because he's trying to emulate him because he looks up to him so much. Well, he wants um, to be him when he grows up. That's the same yeah. thing. The other thing about this episode is that the animation quality is high. Usually uh-huh. in early Naruto, the animation quality is not that great. It can, yes. it works here and there. Like it was actually not so bad in the following episodes, but unfortunately 48 is the only one that has the high, high quality animation. And the exception being that the backgrounds are rendered in 3d and it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, but I don't like that. 
No, um, it looks bad. I will bad. say that they also spend more money on episode 48 than they do on the the really pivotal, super huge fight that happens at the end of this plot arc. Yeah. It's like, it's a little something strange. else is going to happen with Gara, and you're going to see it way later on. And the animation style, um, because I had some more spare time today and I watched it, um, the fight between um, uh, Gara and Naruto, which may or may not happen, it totally does happen um, later on. In a on, while. We're uh, not going to get there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, but it has much, much worse animation quality. And I was like, what? That's a way bigger fight, but whatever, I guess. It's I still, guess it has good that, animation quality. It's just not as good. Hold on. I just realized that another episode that has insanely good animation quality is when Rock Lee fights against the ninja that has, like, bone stuff. Kimimaro. Uh, hold I really think that the, the like, creator of the show might have, like, a thing for my, for, uh, for Rock Lee. No, but it, it because, makes sense, though, for this fight and for the next one, because they're basically the climactic battles. Like, there is one more fight after this in the this section of the tournament arc, but it's, like, it's a throwaway fight. It takes, like, an episode to get through, and even then, not the whole one. Yeah, um, that's fair. So this is, this is the climax of this entire arc, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they do go all out, but unfortunately, only in one episode. I thought it was for... I, I couldn't remember how long the fight was, but I thought it was for all three of them because it turns out to be a three-episode thing. Um, episode four is pretty good, too, though. I mean, the second one, as we're going to watch today, is pretty good. It too. is, but the animation quality is normal, if not slightly improved. I think they maybe, like, got their second-year budget or whatever, so they like the animation quality, on average, has gone up, but, like, in 48, it's drastically better than normal. And it's a really sweet fight. So definitely check out 48 if you don't check out any of the other ones here. Um, They also have a flashback at one point to a previous episode. mm -hmm. And they just recycle the footage. And it is night and day. You're like, oh shit, I can tell the animation is way better. Yeah. I will say about uh, this fight, this is one of those uh, iconic moments that we will talk about in different animes that we're watching that you should really, really take the time and watch. Um, There are a whole lot of people that have released just this fight, uh, removing all of the fluff around it. Um, And it is a very cohesive, interesting fight, especially the first sequences of punches um, going in. what you really need to know at the very start is that the fight is kind of cool where Rockley is fighting against Gara and Gara is blocking with sand, um, sand that he control can control without even moving. Um, it's protecting his body. It's stopping the blows and everyone who's watching is being a dick. Like that's every true. single one of the people that's watching is just like, what the fuck? Oh, you're so terrible. Oh, Gar is so powerful. Except for Mike Guy, who is just sitting there looking cocky as fuck while he's yeah. watching it. <laughs> Mike Guy knows that Lee is not as as much of a disadvantage as everybody else thinks. And then the other mm-hmm. character is Naruto, but he thinks that Rock Lee's at a disadvantage but can overcome it because that's Naruto's thing. The other thing about Naruto <laughs> is that Konkuro... Who Konkuro is the puppet master that we saw earlier. Oh, I forgot about this moment. He is brother, (laughs) he is Gara's brother, and he came with Gara and their sister Tamari to the Leaf Village for this mysterious mission, and they kind of serve as, like, the much more level-headed, slightly afraid of Gara, slightly keeping Gara in check characters. 
And so Conqueror's like, I'm going to go on a scouting mission and I'm going to get information on the people that live in this village. So he goes over to Naruto and starts being like, hey, this Rock Lee guy, he's pretty interesting. What's his deal? Naruto's like, he's going to win is what? It's like not (laughs) helpful at all. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he says that too, where he was like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was a wasted mission. Anyways, so uh, back to the fight. Lee is fighting against Gara. Lee is going and uh, basically only kicking sand. And uh, he's he really on, like, fast. He moves yeah. so fast that it's hard to track his movements visually, um, which is one of my favorite. Like, it's not necessarily like the Dragon Ball Z thing where their fight is just like lines on a screen and sound effects while the characters just kind of stand quietly. But it's like, when one character is fast, I fucking love it. So this is my jam. It's right up my alley. Yeah. Okay, so then something happens. Um, Gara seems to have the complete upper hand. He is coming with, like, waves of sand at Lee. And Lee flips to the top of this big giant statue that's out there. Yeah, um, and Conqueror actually notes that Gara's sand protects him unconsciously. So he's not even really having to think about it or exert any energy to protect himself from Lee's blows. And mm-hmm. so, like, basically it's hopeless because Lee's not touching him. And so um, Lee is just trying to do his damnedest when my guy is like, all right, Lee, you can take this seriously. Go ahead and take them off. And Lee's like, really? And he's like, yes. And he gives him like the thumbs up thing. And you see Rock Lee just kind of like melt. He's like, yes. Um, And then he like takes off these little uh, like, like I say little these. Yeah. Like shin like weights that he's yeah he has these like these ankle socks base or not ankle socks these knee socks that basically cover like the lower part of his jumpsuit and underneath them it turns out are these like huge weights that cover basically his entire shin and like even like the several of the characters i remember tamari specifically being like he's wearing weights that's such a cliche yeah and he's like, oh, I, it's not going to change that much taking off these weights. Then he drops them. And when they hit the ground, there's a huge explosion of dust. And yeah, dirt because of how heavy they the are. Yeah. So and it's like everybody the, is like, a, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And also, I will point this out. Uh, I'm a big fan of them doing this cool stuff uh, in in you know naruto and it being a little bit of a cliche is not that big of a deal. Yeah, Naruto does it that, well here. This joke has been done like 40 times inside of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah. Especially like one time he did it inside of the tournament. Um, like I think it was Goku when he was like uh, wearing the turtle shell and he turned off, yeah. he took off the turtle shell and he like set it uh, on the side and there's like this massive guy next to him. And when it touches the ground, it just cracks the stone that's underneath it. And the big guy's like, ah, uh, and then just concedes. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, yeah, it, it's a show. cliche, but it's done well. So we're all into it. And so Lee starts attacking Gara again, but this time he's like super fast. Um, yeah, he's so and, fast that the sand can't even keep up with him. It starts right. to like try to appear at places where he just was. Yeah, and he's so fast that he's able to kind of trick it also, where he'll, like, appear enough for the sand to, like, start to head that way for a shield. And even though it might arguably not have been able to shield the entire blow because of how fast he's going, he takes the opportunity to go to the other side of Gar and get him there. 
And mm-hmm. I think Conqueror, or one of his siblings says that Gara has actually got this, like, his sand shield is basically a perfect defense, and it's been years since anybody's landed a blow on Gara. So or Lee. Even touched him, is what he says. Yeah. So Lee now manages to kick him so hard that he has, like, a cut on his face. And now it's like Gara is, like, serious. Yeah. I don't know if he has a cut on his face. He definitely has something that looks like a crack, though. And yeah, we're it, learn more about that. I thought it was drawn red when they initially showed it, which, as you will discover, doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. and so he keeps on hitting Gara over and over again until at one point Gara is like knocked back, um, and uh, he like gets up and looks at Lee, and he's a little bit freaked out, and at the same time he also looks crazy as hell. Um, yeah. his face is like really distorted. Um, and like he has this huge grin on his face and his eyes yeah. are all bloodshot and crazy. Gara and they're all is just like the unhinged oh, psycho murderer. Yeah. Yes. Um, his brother Conqueror is just like, Oh God, he's awakened the demon. And they're like, Oh, we might need to go. <laughs> this is interesting too. They mentioned several times he has awakened the demon, the other guy's awake. So they're actually playing this as though Gara has split personality, which I didn't buy when we were watching it, but now that I think about it, I do buy because spoiler alert, Gara has a demon beast inside of him, just like Naruto does. And yes. I think what they talk about later on in the series is that the beast kind of takes over and is what makes him so murderous. And when he gets like particularly murderous, it's really the beast is almost asserting control over Gara like a host. And so you kind of see that here and there. Their dialogue reflects that. Um, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, the next big thing that's going to happen, though, is that uh, Gara is going to start taking this seriously. So Lee has decided, well, even if I landed all these punches, it's not doing anything. So I need to push it to the next level. And yeah, so he and- starts to un- unwrap his little like side things that are on his arms. Um, there, and it's like bandages. Do- yeah, he gets ready to do the the lotus. Yeah, so the I don't know if we went into this deeply, but Gara, so he's got the sand shield, and this is like the unconscious um, pieces of sand that like rise up to protect him against attacks. But if you manage to get through that, you still can't hurt him because he has what's called sand armor. And that's why his face cracks and crumbles and starts to fall off, because mm-hmm. over his skin is a hard-packed um, shell of sand to protect him even further. Um, but because Lee is getting through his sand shield, it's still putting Gara in a tight spot because in order to like fully utilize his sand armor, it takes up a lot of his energy. So, um, so it's not like, it's not like, Oh, you got through the sand shield, but there's sand armor. So it's still hopeless. Like it still sucks because your hits aren't really doing anything to Gara, but there's a time limit on this thing. So like you can, you can kind of run out the clock on the sand armor. So, so Lee decides to do the Lotus and it is a badass moment. Um, suffice to say, uh, you should definitely watch this sequence cause it's really yeah, fast. It's really, really cool. cool. Um, what he basically he does, wrestling he, slams. <laughs> yeah. But the way that he gets him up is one of my favorite things. So he runs to Gara 
He first moves to the side so when the sand comes after him, it goes to the wrong side. Then he appears under Gara's chin and kicks him straight in the chin, straight up into the air, then throws himself with his arms into Gara again and kicks him. And then he's like, not high enough. And then he pushes himself with sheer will to kick Gara again further up into the air. Yeah, this is, he, uh, this is a uh, removed from physics moment. Yes. <laughs> so he uses this ability and then wraps Gara inside of these arm bandages that he's wearing. And he grabs a hold of him and starts this super fast spin. And right before he hits the ground, he throws Gara into the ground while also falling on top of Gara. Yeah, um, this is similar to a move that he used against Sasuke earlier, but it's a much more advanced and dangerous version. Yes. The big thing that they talk about afterwards is that Gara is having a little bit of trouble getting up, um, and so is Lee. And the reasoning why we find out is that the Lotus is a double-edged sword. It will not only hurt you, or not only hurt the person you're attacking, but it will also put an extreme physical strain on your body. And it is one of the gates of life, or one of the chakra gates that you open in order to um, get this extreme strength and speed. Yeah. Um, they're going to go over that in detail in a second, mm -hmm. but basically yeah. like it puts a lot of hurt on him. Like it's going to strain his muscles and his bones and his tendons and everything about his body. He's basically like, uh, he basically they'll talk about it later when they talk about releasing other gates. But essentially what he's done here is he's sort of released his body's inherent, um, inherent like mechanisms to hold him back so that he can push limiter. past his limits. Right. So he's, he's doing like a limiter release, which means that he's going beyond the limits, which are set there for safety. So he's like damaging his body in order to do more damage to his opponent. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we will find out. Yes. Is that all of this Lotus was for naught because what he had actually gotten was a sand, um, the Shan shield that was around Gara was the thing, uh, was being controlled by Gara, but it yeah. was not actually him. Gara um, noped the fuck out of there and left the Sand Shield to take the hit. And it's really right. cool when they show how he did it. It doesn't make any fucking sense if you try to justify it, like, logically. Like, if you try to apply physics to the situation, it's not going to work. But we've already seen people yeah. replace themselves with logs a billion times, so I think we're already pretty comfortable with that. So yeah. what he does is they replay the sequence when Gara is kicking him up into the sky, and there's a second where where or sorry when lee's kicking gara into the sky there's a second when lee like pauses to like get ready to wrap him up or whatever and he looks away for like a split second and they're like in that moment gara left that shell behind and it was no longer gara inside of there yeah so all of this damage was done to lee and none of it was done to gara Right. So Gara appears behind him in like this wave of really creepy sand and he starts to just slam Lee against the wall. And you find out in this moment that um, they're like, why doesn't he get away? And they tell them all about how like Lee is so hurt from using this Lotus one time that his body basically feels like it's broken. He can barely stand. So yeah. when he gets hit with the sand, it throws him against the wall and he's like barely standing up on it. They don't explicitly state what kind of damage he sustained. It's just sort of generic pain. This will change as the fight goes on. 
Um, but for right now, as far as we know, he's basically just like really sore. Um, so this episode is actually, so we're, we are into 49 now and this one is kind of blur together. Yeah, they, they are, these are much more coherent single story than a lot of the times when we, when we cover these, um, this one is going to be mostly flashback. Um, and it's, it is flashback in the way that Naruto does it when it's at its best. The unfortunate thing about the flashback is that it's still taking us away from something we want to watch more. Which I think is something that is worth debate as far as like from a storytelling standpoint. When you've dangled that carrot in front of your viewers, there is something to be said by cutting away to another scene or cutting to a flashback or something like that. So that that carrot, like your viewers really want it. I think that Naruto takes that philosophy way too far sometimes. And it gives us much longer, much slower backstories than we want. And it drags out that anticipation to the point where it's kind of cruel, almost. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is not one of those times. I think they do it exactly correct here. Yeah. So the big thing that we're going to see a flashback on is that um, uh, Lee, while he's getting beaten down, um, they're going to flashback and talk about um, how Neji and um, and Lee grew up together, training together. Um, and Neji was always ahead of Lee. Um, Lee wanted to use, um, uh, Genjutsu and he wanted to use ninjutsu, but he can, he never had any aptitude for it. So my guy, um, was, he decided that he was going to take him under his wing, which started pushing Lee, um, forward more and more until he decided that he was going to, um, try to start emulating this man. And there's there's some pretty cool parts about it. It's there's some touching stuff that happens inside of their tool. Yeah, too. you see um, their relationship grow and like the fact that they like genuinely care about each other, and it, it's actually yeah. really nice. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it's a long flashback sequence. But there's not like as far as like it, it's it's showing you like points in his life that caused this determination and this character growth. But it can be summed up really quickly and easily. Like, there's not actually a ton for us to dwell on here because it's basically he doesn't have the skill in it. He's really determined, so he becomes super skilled in the other thing. And even uh, when he thinks that he's getting better and better at Taijutsu, the thing that really ties them together and that makes Mike Guy and Rock Lee's relationship um, really like it's the pivotal moment of it is when he thinks he's finally getting really, really good at Taijutsu, and he's been, like, basically kicking a tree while Mike Guy watches him kick a tree. Um, mm-hmm. Like you the do. the tree is, like, almost broken. Um, I, but I kick trees against... every day. So he fights um. against Neji, and Neji fights with Taijutsu and his uh, Kika Genkai at the same time, and he cannot defeat Neji. And it's yeah. kind of like this breaking point for him, and he, there's this moment where, like, Mike Guy takes him and he, like, takes him uh, away from training. And he's like, look, um, you know, this is, this is, what is it? It's the something of your youth. The uh, the power of your youth or the, the fire of your, of your youth. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you have to harness that and you have to push through these things that are just going to stop you. And then we have a fucking badass moment that happens that leads into episode 50. Um where all of a sudden, instead of getting hit by the sand that's attacking him, uh, Lee is moving very, very fast again. And then... Uh, He's Kikashi's planning to like, pain, you guys. Kakashi's like, wait, did you... 
how much have you taught him? And he's like, um, the springtime of youth will bloom, the, or the lotus of youth will, um, bloom Lots a second time. Yeah. And he's like, what, what did you do, my guy? And my guy looks smug as fuck. And then Kakashi raises up his, like, um, his Sharingan and so that he can look and see what, uh, Lee is about to do. Yeah, this is actually a a great moment too, and it's, there, it's worth noting that the lotus in Japanese culture um, represents death. So this is this it, it's named after this like flower with this sort of like mythical quality that represents the fact that this is a dangerous thing to be doing or a double edged sword or that kind of and thing. And it's a so forbidden this is, technique. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, and so Mike Guy kind of explains what the Hidden Lotus is, which is essentially there's eight different chakra gates and they each do different things. And you basically like the first one unlocks your ability to push past your limitations. And um, I don't remember what each of them does, but they basically each sort of propel you in a specific way to be stronger and faster and better. And then the last one, if you open all gates, essentially unleashes so much of your power that you just sort of like exceed like human limitations in general. They talk about how you'll be much more powerful than the Hokage, which as you remember is Ninja president and this is very powerful. And um, the exchange of that is that you kill yourself because you use, you push yourself so far past your limits that your body can't survive it. Um, uh, Lee... Spoiler alert. We will never see this until, uh, I don't know, the end of Shippuden. <laughs> it's not like a thing really. And, um, and I have some discussion about this built into my notes later, so we'll get back to it. But basically he can do this and, and Kakashi's like, how many gates can he open? What have you taught him? And Mike guy's like super proud of it. And he's like, he can go all the way up to five. And Kakashi goes, guy, I misjudged you for having taught this technique to lead. Like, he basically is like, we we were cool and we're not because this technique is so dangerous. Like, I can't believe you taught it to him. And it, yeah. it's a really intense moment because Kakashi and Guy have an established friendship that goes back for a long time. So this is a big deal. Yeah. So um, the thing that's going to happen at the end of this episode is that Lee is going to start opening gates. Um, he keeps on pushing himself further and further until he has like a full on Super Saiyan moment. Um, it's, cl- eyes... it's a classic Super Saiyan moment, and it's baller as hell. Except for he's got a green one, so he's probably Brawly. Um, and oh, she... ooh, somebody's <laughs> seen Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, his eyes kind of like glaze over it as well, which is one of the other crazy things. They go stark white. Um, and he, and his skin um, explicitly turns red because other characters yeah. comment on it. So the next, running thing that happens, <laughs> the next thing that happens, though, is that he hits Lee. He hits him so hard in the he stomach. He hits Gara. Oh, sorry, Gara. He hits Gara so hard in the stomach that Gara lifts up into the air and all of his sand stays behind. And he flies up into the air, and then Lee appears behind him, and then hits him again the other way, and then he appears at the other side and hits him again, and then there's a sequence of just watching Gara ping pong just back and forth in the middle of the screen. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. This is, again, not high-quality animation like it was in episode 48, but I do think that this is where they got a little bit more money, and the animation quality went up over 
like on average. This may prove not to be true, and it might be higher quality animation than average, but not the super high quality animation that you got in 48. But like it still looks pretty good. It's it's not nearly as impressive or exciting as 48, unfortunately. But it looks pretty good, and it was fairly riveting. Whereas like we've seen a couple of fight sequences that were good fights that were done a disservice by the animation. This animation does not do it a disservice. It could be better, yeah. but it's not bad. Yeah. And then he pushes it all the way to the fifth uh, gate. When he opens the fifth gate, he does the second uh, blossoming lotus. And he hits him with his right arm and his right leg. And he kicks him and hits him so hard at the same time that Gara slams yeah. him to the ground he, and can he, barely move. He kick punches him, actually. Yeah. If you will, he, he, is, he is he is kick puncher. <laughs> he is in fact kick puncher. Um, his his punches have the powers of kicks. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen Community? Uh, go watch. Shame Community. upon you. Yeah. Anyways, so um, what happens next though is that he uh, Gara um, is the he I'm talking about here is completely blo- broken on the ground and could barely move. Yeah, while he's Lee been is also he has been kicked so far. And could barely move. Right. Gara has been kicked so far and so fast that his sand shield and sand armor have been left in the dust. He has no defenses. So this is Lee's moment to win. But the bad news is that Gara has one last trump card up his sleeve that nobody saw coming. And it is that his gourd is sand. And everybody thought it was a gourd, but it is sand. And it does not come out when he expels the other sand that he keeps inside of it. It is like his last little trump card. And so right as he's about to hit this, the ground, his sand gourd dissolves into a cushion and protects him from taking full damage. Yeah. So Lee is down and Gara is down, but Gara shielded himself from the full effect. So he is not able to get up, but he can still control sand, which is now lying around. And he has kind of the ability to control it again. Cause he's not being kicked everywhere. Lee, on the other hand, has torn the muscles in his arm and leg that he used to hit Gara, and he is not going to escape again. Yeah. Um, So the thing that happens next is uh, pretty brutal. Um, His left arm and left leg, uh, Lee's that is, while he cannot escape, are enveloped in sand, and we see a technique that we've seen before called sand coffin and sand burial. Um, yeah, Gara used, used this to kill somebody in some previous episodes. Um, yeah, thankfully, it only gets his arm and leg here. Yeah, he severely breaks his left arm and left leg. Like, crushed uh, them. Yeah, and then right before he can go in for the final kill on um, on Lee, Mike Guy comes in and just knocks the sand away like it's nothing. Yeah. So he, he br- busts in... Um, the fight is over, essentially. Gara actually, there's a really weird moment where Gara's like, I didn't get to like kill him, um, and now the fight's over, so I quit. And they're like, Wait, what? Gara quit? And then Kakashi is like, Wait, up on the rafters, and he's like, or up in the stands, and he's like, Well, you know, the fight was over the second that Guy stepped in. Like, Lee forfeited as soon as, as Guy stepped in to stop the fight, so. Yeah. You know, like, he still won. Um, and then there's a really, like, touching moment that happens after this. Where yeah. Lee stands up behind Mike Guy. And Mike Guy's like, it's okay, you don't have to fight anymore. 
and he realizes that he has pushed this boy to the limit of himself so much that this kid is willing to fight as until he's dead, even when he's unconscious. Yeah, he is not conscious. And he's knocked out. The other thing that I noticed with this is that Lee's determination is so high that he his body is responding, even though mentally he's not there anymore. Um, And it really is. It's a little absurd. You're like, oh, he's he's like completely broken and like his body can't work anymore and he's unconscious and then he stands up. Sure. But in the moment, it works really well. So it's it's a pretty sweet moment. Yeah. So the the medics come in and they so this is where I'm going to digress a little bit. So here's what happens. The medics come in. They are being super gentle with Lee because he is really, really very injured. They take a look at Lee's arm and leg and they go over and they talk to Mike Guy and they're like, hey, um, here's the deal. Your his arm and leg are so damaged that there is no way we'll ever be able to repair them to the point where he can be a ninja anymore. And it's like this entire thing, all the flashbacks were talking about how he was at a disadvantage because he couldn't use ninjutsu and genjutsu. He could only use taijutsu. Everyone told him that he wasn't able to be a ninja because of this. And he his dream was to become a ninja that people would respect. And now that dream has been taken from him because he pushed himself so much. Um, and, and because of the injuries he sustained in this fight. So I guess I'm going to finish that. I'm going to finish what happens in the episode because we're pretty much there. And then I'm going to talk about something that frustrates me. So basically the medics tell him that rock Lee cannot be a ninja anymore. He's injured himself too gravely. Mike guy is devastated. Naruto is devastated. Neji is a dick about it. And like calls after rock lee's unconscious form to be like i told you you couldn't push past your limitations like who you are at birth is who you are forever which is so uncalled for especially from his teammate neji is like the villain here and it sucks um so anyway the there's a really nice moment with kakashi where he comes up and he apologizes to mike guy earlier and he's like i'm sorry i spoke to you so harshly about teaching rock lee this i've thought about it and if i were in your position i would have done the same thing and it's yeah. really nice. And then they basically set us up for the next episode because there are two more people who haven't fought. It's Choji and Dosu, and we're going to get into that next time. But that is it for our coverage now, and I have a digression. So, this has happened before. It's going to happen again. With Naruto specifically, there are moments in the show where a character makes a choice that has an irrevocable consequence and then the consequence does not stick. Yeah. I've talked about it before, so I don't want to rag on it too much, but this is one of the worst offenders. It's not my least favorite. My least favorite is Choji much, much later, but this is one of the worst offenders where they say something about a character where there are consequences and they don't stick. This is a spoiler, obviously, but Rock Lee does become a ninja. In fact, he heals fairly quickly. Um, He's going to be on crutches for a while, but he is able to fight again. And he doesn't, I don't remember him really showing any signs that his injury has hindered him or that he has to work around it in any way when he does fight again. 
it's going to be a while, but he does yeah. get back to it. And I hate that. It's, it's not even addressed as him overcoming some adversity in a way that's shocking, which we have seen in Hunter x Hunter with Gone. Gone heals shockingly quickly. People tell him, like, absolutely, this will not heal this fast, and Gone heals really fast. It's an abnormality about him. It's something that makes the character interesting and endearing and special. In Naruto, it's just done so cheaply. It It isn't done as something that makes the character unique. It's done as something that gives the author the chance to hand wave something away. So it cheapens these moments. If you are watching this and you don't know about that, or if you're able to separate it from the rest of the canon, you can really enjoy this moment of sacrifice that if you're watching it, knowing what this character comes to and the fact that he is an insanely talented ninja in the future, it's really frustrating because it just shows the, I think it shows the author's weakness He's not a bad storyteller. I really like Naruto. And I think that it's a good story. I do think, unfortunately, on rewatching it, it has a lot of bad storytelling pitfalls that it falls into several times. Um, But it's not a bad story. But this is one of the most egregious things. And it keeps doing it over and over again as a series by putting extremely heavy consequences onto a character and then having nothing come of it. It's really yeah. frustrating. Yeah. I think if you're think a storyteller, that, don't do that. Yeah. So the only thing that really gets me about it, it really doesn't ruffle my feathers as much as Blake does, because um, one of the things that they put inside of this universe that sort of explains away some of the things that happen inside of this, where people sort of tell other people that nothing can be done about it is that, uh, one of the things inside of the hidden leaf is that there are special healing techniques that some people will learn later on that can heal almost any wound that should not be able to be healed. Um, and they sort of do that later on and get away with things. Um, the biggest person you're going to see doing this, spoiler alert, there's a character named Tsunade um, who yeah, is yeah, very... Yeah. In- huh? I like Tsunade. I was just... Yeah, she's a super sweet character, and she has this ability that she's taught to other people in the Hidden Leaf, um, which is the ability of ultimate regeneration, which is uh, it's very difficult, and you have to save up a lot of chakra in order to do it. Um, But if you do it, you can basically uh, regenerate from a fatal wound um, as if it was nothing. Um, and it, ha- it, 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 it's very difficult. I think she says it takes her 10 years to build up one. Um, so maybe somebody came in and healed and used some of this technique, but I will agree with you that probably this was just like, a. well, this person has, uh, everybody has to feel bad about it right now syndrome, but yeah. we also this don't is- want to lose a fun character. This is a, this is a pitfall that storytellers can fall into, where they will say that something definitely will happen. And then instead of providing a plausible, exciting, or even just cool way out of it, they just hand wave it away. And that's not good storytelling. If you are going to injure a character and say that they cannot be healed, then heal them. You either need to explain why they were healed through some method external to them, through an internal willpower that is just so indomitable that they can't be kept down, Or you need to set yourself up to have that wiggle room. Like these medic ninjas, they, they say 
for sure this character will never be a ninja again. That is the sacrifice that he has made, and it doesn't stick. So if they said that, and it turned out that like the sacrifice that he made was probably going to cripple him for life, that would be a different problem and something that was a lot easier to swallow. So like if you're a storyteller telling a story and you want to raise the stakes by putting some sort of dangerous consequence onto a choice that the characters are making, or if you want to, you know, leave them so injured that they may never be able to walk again or whatever, like do it. But if you're going to walk it back, you either need to prepare yourself in advance to walk it back through foreshadowing or vague dialogue, or you need to address it when it comes because otherwise it feels cheap. And unfortunately, Naruto feels cheap in this respect a few times too many. If it happened once, maybe even twice, I think it would be forgivable, but it's happened twice already in our coverage and we're only on episode 50. Yeah. Anyways, join us uh, after these credits. Uh, <laughs> on that note. Episode, um, <laughs> where we will be talking about what we're going to watch next time. Jesus, what are we going to watch next time? Jojo Bizarre Adventure. Oh, well, he spoiled it. Join us after the credits. <laughs> Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level five sound wizard. Our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive member content and unlock group perks. Follow us on Twitter at BNS Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. And remember, new episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Back by popular demand. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. That's really fun to do.